The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, thank you for joining us again for Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. A first-time guest on the line with me. Boy, this is going to be a lot of fun today to learn about Dr. Susan Michael. She is the USA Director of ICEJ. That stands for International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. And they are celebrating the 75th Israel Diamond Anniversary, and uh, we're going to learn all about that. We're also going to learn about Susan's journey to faith, and it is just a real honor to have you here. Susan, Michael, thank you for being with me. Oh, thank you, Mike, so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. Yeah, this is so great. Now, I've seen at the NRB, I've seen your booth there uh, in in the past. Uh, I've stopped by and talked to a few people in the past, but this is the first to have you guys on the line with me, and it's a real treat. Uh, Tell me, first of all, uh, how you came to know the Lord in your own life. Well, I was a 16-year-old, and... uh, the Lord began to work in my heart and through different ways and different people and different denominations and uh, gave him my life. And uh, when it was time to go to college a year later, I had I decided that I wanted to um, base my life on the Bible. I didn't really have a career in mind, but I wanted to study the Bible and lay a good foundation. So I became a biblical studies major. Wow. And, One yeah, year into so it. it. Yeah, I I loved the Bible. I just uh, read it every day. It's like my spiritual guidebook. And then when I go to university, I'm now studying it every day as a doctrinal book, learning its doctrines and how to rightly read it. But still, none of that prepared me for what happened when I went to Israel. So you went to Israel as a student, and what, what what level of studies were you at then? I did. I was a 19-year-old. I went for a summer study program of five weeks, Mm -hmm. and that is where my life was just changed because this Bible that I love so much literally just came alive. It just stood up. It took on flesh and bones. I was studying it in the geographical setting where you understand just how accurate the Bible is when it's telling these stories because it was reflected in the geography. You were studying it in the uh, historical, the cultural context, the Jewish context, the linguistic context, and it just made so much more sense. But also, when you're studying in Israel, you're surrounded by prophecy that is being fulfilled. And this makes you understand the Bible isn't just accurate, it's true, and you Mm -hmm. can base your life on it, and your faith is so strengthened from that experience. So I came back to finish my studies at university, and I just said, Lord, I want to go back. I want to study more. I want to experience that more. And so in August of 1980, I had just graduated with my bachelor's. I arrive in Jerusalem to begin a master's program, a small Christian school on Mount Zion, Mm -hmm. and uh, just happened to be there 
the day this organization was founded. Isn't that something? Now tell me about that founding. What was that like? Well, uh, there were a group of Christian leaders living in Jerusalem there in the late 70s that got together regularly to pray for Israel. And they had um, two burdens on their heart. One was to begin celebrating the biblical Feast of Tabernacles because it's the one feast of the Lord in the Bible that there's a prophecy that one day it'll be celebrated by all the nations, and that's in the Messianic era. Mm -hmm. But still, they said none of the churches even know what the Feast of Tabernacles is, so we need to start celebrating that. So they've, they've planned the very first one in 1980. At the same time, the Israeli government had announced that Jerusalem was the capital of uh, the state of Israel. And um, this same group of Christian leaders had also been praying about starting an organization to work in support of Israel. And so they seized that moment. And at the very first Feast of Tabernacles in 1980, they announced, we do not support what the governments of the world have done because they actually moved their embassies out of Jerusalem in protest of it being the capital of Israel. And they said, we're starting an international Christian embassy in Jerusalem that represents the millions of Bible-believing Christians around the world that understand the significance of Jerusalem to the Jewish people because we read it in our Bibles. And therefore, we would stand with Israel at that moment. So at that one event, we birthed uh, an organization that um, has been working in support of Israel. And even though our founding and our name sounds a little political, actually our mission statement from day one was Isaiah 40, verse 1, which says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And we were very aware that after 1,700 years of terrible relations between Jews and Christians Mm -hmm. and actually... Christian anti-Semitism throughout history many times, that we were were reflecting a shift in the Christian world and its approach to Israel and the Jewish people. And we were saying, we understand the biblical significance of Israel and the Jewish people. We stand with you. We bless you. And we love you as Christians. And it was actually a a historic moment. And I, I feel so privileged to have been a part of this ministry all these years since then. It's it's very, very unique, very timely, and very strategic. You talk about being in the right place at the right time. I mean, that's really what happened. You had this encounter when you were on that five-week program, and then later when you go back to study for your master's, that's when the ICEJ uh, basically is founded, and you've been with it ever since. Yes, and I had no idea. It, it totally... Uh, the Lord, he knew, I knew nothing, <laughs> but he knew what he was doing. And it's because when I did accept the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was all of 16, and little did I know it was going to be on the other side of the world and in really a historic, prophetic, end-time ministry. Unbelievable. Now, I know you're based in South Florida right now. How many, how many uh, months out of the year do you spend in Israel? Well, uh, you know, it v- varies with different years, but my responsibility is here in the United States. So mm-hmm. I'm based here. This is my focus and the bulk of my work. But we do 
uh, take tours to Israel. And I, um, about once a year, I will actually be involved with one of our key tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, just came back from one. I also serve on the board of the Global Ministry in Jerusalem, so I often have to go for board meetings and all. And then every fall, we're still celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And every fall at the biblical dates for that feast, we have five to 6,000 Christians that come from over 80, 90 nations to celebrate the feast. So I usually uh, also have to be there for that. So I, I may go several times a year. But my focus is here in the United States. Isn't it uh, amazing when you look back at our history? And I, I'm concerned at times that I don't think a lot of our young people are getting the same knowledge, the same teaching in history, uh, not only in American history, but in uh, world history. But Israel didn't become a nation again for uh, all of those those decades and years and it, it really <laughs> all the way all the way to 1948 i mean that that's just really in our lifetime it's not that long ago and here we are we're celebrating this diamond anniversary right yes and that the celebration of israel's 75th anniversary is really a celebration of a miracle of god And the first miracle was that Israel was even born in 1948. Against all odds, no other people group has ever had the journey that this people group has had and come back to their ancient homeland and reestablish sovereignty. That is a miracle. But then she has survived 75 years of almost nonstop war or the threat of war or terrorist attacks. They've survived. But more than that, Mike, they've thrived. They are now emerging as a world leader in innovation, technology, medicine, science, water conservation. And they are emerging as that nation that God has called to be a light to the other nations. And that is such a miracle. So we have so much to celebrate And we invite your listeners to join us at one of the two gala dinners we're planning uh, to celebrate this miracle. Now, you mentioned how Israel came to life to you when you were there that first time and the Bible stories that, after all, you were only a believer a short time and you're reading the Bible avidly and uh, daily and taking it in. And then you get to Israel and you described how that uh, the whole topography and the, the geography of all of Israel, it's just like it brought the Bible to life. Kind of share from that, if you will. Well, it absolutely did. And, uh, you know, I say that many of us read our Bible at a devotional level or personal application level. So we, we read it to see what verses might jump off the page into our heart that day for personal direction or what we might learn from a passage. But sometimes we're actually taking things out of context when we do that. But the Lord uses it, and we should all read at that personal level. And I was in university, and I was reading it at more of a Bible study level, a doctrinal level, uh, hermeneutics, how to interpret Mm -hmm. the Bible, understanding a little bit more of that history. And that's also very important. We can do it through our churches. We can do book studies, a whole book of the Bible, or word studies, or topical studies. We all need to do that. But when you go to Israel, you see the Bible in its historical context, and you go to what I call the 3D level, and that's when it just comes alive because you realize 
It's a history book Mm -hmm. about real people, real places. It's not just doctrine and it's not just spiritual principles. It's a history book. And when you read it at that level as well, it really does come alive. So I actually just published a book in December called Encounter the 3D Bible and how to read the Bible so it comes to life. And I I try to bring a lot of those principles uh, to the reader in very, very easy-to-read format. Mm -hmm. But this is why we encourage every Christian to go to Israel, if at all possible, because they will experience that. It's like the light bulbs go off, the dots are connected, so many things make sense that just didn't make sense when you were reading it here in the United States. So that's what Israel brings to our Bible. You know, when I had an opportunity in 1979 to go there, I went there. My mom went along. She passed away last May. It's, it's been uh, almost a year now. But she went along with me uh, uh, on that trip. And I, I think back when I, even as I'm talking with you right now, my mind is flooded with a couple of poignant moments, you know, so much obviously of Jerusalem it came under siege. It was destroyed. A lot of what are there are even called, uh, they're, they're kind of like, uh, honorary sites. We don't know if that was the actual site or not of, uh, of, of the, you know, the crucifixion, just that very spot where Jesus would have been. But there are some spots that you do know that has not changed. Like, for example, the day we went uh, for the ride on the Sea of Galilee, we we crossed it, and I'll never forget that, just realizing oh. out in the middle of that sea, you're there. Or or when we were going through the field where the battle happened between David and Goliath, uh, I remember looking at the ground and thinking about how stony some of the fields are. The rocks are everywhere. And it brought that verse to mind. If you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Well, if you have the context of Jerusalem or or of Israel, and you're looking and seeing how many rocks you'd be talking about, there'd be a lot of crying out, wouldn't it? <laughs> They're That's everywhere. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. When you get there, so many things like that just come alive and make so much sense. So we, uh, we've published a, a second book, which is for Israel 75th, called Every Generation Story. And this, every chapter is written by a different person telling how they first made that trip to Israel and how life-changing it was. And they came back with a passion to get involved with Israel, Jewish-Christian relations, fighting anti-Semitism. And the stories come from every generation, from the the elder generation that remembers 1948 when Israel was born, all the way down to the Generation Z, who have just gone to Israel for the first time. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a lifelong story to tell, but they've come back with that same passion. And it's a great read and shows just how life-changing Israel is because it's happened to all these different people, different walks of life, but they came back totally sold out to being engaged. Now, there's something happening here in the United States I'd love for you to tell about that's part of this anniversary celebration, the 75th Diamond Anniversary of Israel becoming a nation again and recognized as such. And it's going to be in two locales. So tell us about that. Yes, we have two gala dinners scheduled May 7th in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, the Franklin area of Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful and area. Then May- May 17th in Washington, D.C., 
And the two uh, dinners are going to be fantastic. They're, the programs are going to be very different. So I invite your listeners to come to both. But if if not, they can choose one. And uh, world-class musicians, tremendous speakers, a lot of uh, highlights. They're really going to be fantastic. So if they go to our website at icejusa.org, uh, they'll see links there to the gala dinner information and also to the book I just mentioned that we're celebrating Israel 75th, the Every Generation Story book. So they can find links to both there. But we really invite them to come out and join us for these celebrations. They are community-wide. We have like 30 or 40 different organizations that are co-sponsoring it and coming together for this to really celebrate a miracle of God in Israel 75th. Give us a one-minute explanation as to what the embassy does, the ICEJ. Explain that in one minute. Our headquarters is in Jerusalem, and from there we carry out our ministry to the people of Israel, a ministry of love and support in very practical ways, like humanitarian aid. We have the largest home for Holocaust survivors in Israel. We place portable bomb shelters uh, throughout Israel. We are bringing Jews home to live in Israel called Aliyah. And then we have a presence in over 90 nations. So for me here in America, I, uh, in addition to raising funds for those projects, I educate, educate, educate. So we build a lot of educational tools and resources for the Christians here in the United States. Well, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing, and I look forward to meeting not only you face-to-face, but also the director from Israel, I understand, is going to be coming over for the NRB. That comes up next month right here in Orlando, so that's going to be exciting. Dr. Susan Michael, again, is the USA director for ICEJ the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. And all of this is about the celebration of Israel's 75th diamond anniversary. Boy, this is exciting. We wish you the best and both events uh, happening. Uh, We're just praying for you, Susan. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. We do need your prayers, but we appreciate being with you today. It was great. We'll look forward to seeing you in May, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. We are back again and on the line with me, Robert Borelli. He's been around a while. He has quite a life story. He uh, was at one point in time a part of crime, uh, mafia, drugs, addiction, and prison. His story is not your everyday story, my friends. And it is great to welcome Robert Borelli back 
here on the program. Welcome back, Robert. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you for allowing me to uh, share what God has done in my life with uh, your audience. Well, you have been one who have received great grace from the Lord. And uh, I'd love for you to kind of give a sketch of how you came to know the Lord after that kind of background in Brooklyn, New York. Well, you know, uh, raised in Brooklyn, New York, pretty tough neighborhood. Didn't know until a little bit later on that it was actually uh, run by um, the Gambino crime family. They were like the protectors of the neighborhood at that time, and everybody looked up to them. And, you know, we had struggles in my home and, you know, things going on in the neighborhood, you know, gangs and stuff like that. And these guys seemed to get a lot of respect, so I kind of gravitated towards them as, you know, something I would want for me later on in life. It looked like they had it all together, you know, got a lot of respect from the people in the neighborhood, uh, had, you know, jewelry, cars, good clothes, you know, things that I would have wanted that I wasn't able to have at that time in my life. So I gravitated towards them. And uh, eventually, as I got a little bit older, I started becoming an associate to the Gambino crime family. And through the Gambino crime family, you know, we've done a lot of things. Most of my whole life was illegal uh, things that I've done. And then the drug business came in and there was big money involved in that. And I got involved with the drug business. And before you know it, the drugs got involved with my business and I lost everything and uh, became addicted to cocaine. And then later on, losing everything, uh, went to the cheapest high possible, which was crack cocaine, and became addicted. And then, uh, you know, been in and out of prison most of, a lot of my life. And the last time I was in prison, uh, I felt completely hopeless. Um wasn't getting any help from anybody, and that was understandable because I became, from being Robert, the uh, up-and-coming star, there can be no crime family, people looking at me, and, no, and my name became Robert the Crackhead. Mm. Uh, so I understood that a lot of people couldn't get involved with, with me or wouldn't get involved with me because of what I did and how I shamed the, the family that I was part of. And, and my family thought I was safer in jail than out on the street. So that was where I got very uh, a, a, a place of hope and despair, and uh, I knew about God, uh, but didn't know God, and I cried out to to God for the help. And I ran, remember running back on my knee, uh, running back to my cell after talking to my daughter, who I haven't seen when she since she was seven weeks old um, when she was born, and uh, her crying on the phone, why I won't come and see her? Me being in prison broke my heart, and. Uh, Ran back to my cell and I just cried, God, if you really to have somebody kill me or change me, I, I don't want to live with this pain anymore. And I just cried out, God, please help me. God, please help me. With tears streaming down my, my face, and I believe God answered the sincerity and the cry of my heart, and he came into my life. Mm, my goodness. In a cell room, and one of these uh, one of these times where a person in prison has a legitimate and life changing encounter with God, and that's exactly what you're describing. Yes, you know, I truly believe that anybody has a a, a true experience with the resurrected Christ. Their life has to change. Mm-hmm. Can't stay the same. They can't. Mm-hmm. It's the inside out change, not the outside trying to change the inside. That's right. 
You change from the inside out. That's well said. Robert, how old were you when you started really taking part in some of the crimes that got you in trouble? Oh, probably about 14, 15 years old. Mm. And you mentioned growing up in Brooklyn. That was a, a real different area. I mean, it's gone through some changes, and sadly, things are, are kind of moving in the wrong direction in the whole boroughs of New York right now, right? Well, well, it is, but I have to tell you, I've been back there, and the house that I, I was raised in looks a lot better than <laughs> the building, I should say, looks a lot better now than when I lived there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some, oh, yeah. Some improvements that way, uh, but yeah, the neighborhood has changed a lot. Uh, and like I said, it was a tough neighborhood. You know, back in the 60s, there was gangs all over the place. You know, I think they did a movie, if I'm not sure, it was like in the 80s or something about the Warriors, about gangs, street gangs of Brooklyn, New York. Pretty accurate. A lot of it was far-fetched, but, you know, that was kind of like the concept. Everybody hung out on their corners, and there was a group of guys, and it became a gang, sort of something like that there. So, But that was a pretty tough neighborhood. Now, by the time you were 20 years old, you had a couple of murder raps already attributed to you, as well as just, like you said, in and out of trouble for uh, different reasons. Uh, and you were obviously put to prison. Were you ever expected when you first went to prison? Were you ever expected to ever see the light of day outside again? Well, at the age of 20 years old, I did get arrested for possession of a weapon. And then I showed back up in court for that. And then I got locked up for two murders. Uh, the gun wasn't related to the murders, but they arrested me when I went back to court. And, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to see uh, uh, daylight again. You know, I just didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But I was groomed pretty well before that. Yeah, I had a, a gentleman who was, you know, one one of the guys that I looked up to who took me under his wing and, you know, just kind of uh, – counseled me on how the lifestyle of the mob is and what we should do, what we don't do, you know, the rules, regulations, kind of thing like that. And uh, so when I got locked up, I knew what I needed to do, keep my mouth shut and just wait for the right opportunity to maybe try to get bailed out and, and things of that nature. So that that's eventually what happened to me. Uh, one of the cases I really wasn't, uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I can't talk a lot about those cases, but for one of those cases, for sure, it wasn't me. It was somebody else that did the killing. And I think because of me being the stand-up guy and going to trial, I had five eyewitnesses against me, and I got acquitted of the trial because they all lied. Uh, uh, but the fact is that I went to trial for something I didn't do, and that showed good standing with the mob that once I came out after that trial, I was kind of like paraded around. I said, okay, this is the new, now that this is the new up and coming star, they gave me no crime family. It was kind of like a joke of way of saying it, but I think that I got a lot of uh, uh, recognition after that. Hmm. Now, that obviously is something that a lot of people who do go to prison who's involved in these crime families, they kind of have to look over their shoulder for the rest of their life. But uh, you're saying that that kind of, you kind of had uh, a freedom from that aspect of it, right? Well, yes, in, in, in a sense, you know, the streets are the streets, and I was a street guy. I wasn't uh, really a politician in in the mob. I was uh, more of a street guy, not a business guy. So, you know, I had my neighborhood. And, you know, I, I look at things back from, from where I am today, from where, where I was then, and basically whatever was going on in my neighborhood is where I had concerns. I didn't have any concerns about what was going on in the world, what was going on in my country, 
politics or anything like that. My thing was the streets and the streets that I used to strut and the streets that I hung out with and protecting the neighborhood. That's how I lived a lot of my life mm-hmm. that, back in them days. Now, Robert, you were, you found the Lord, and you, I, I can't imagine what it was like the day that you heard the news that you were going to be released from prison. Tell us about that. Well, first, you know, we need to, 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 to and I, I, I want to answer your question, but I need to just let the people know that even though back in them days I lived the mafia style and believed in that code and all that, there later on when I when I was in prison in Rikers Island back in 1997, uh, the government came and uh, I was uh, they cooperated. I cooperated with the government. They promised me that they would give me a fresh start, and I took that fresh start and uh, I became a witness for the government. And that's why we have the book titled "The Witness" because I was a witness for the government. And then once Christ really got hold of my life and I was released from prison. I became a witness for Christ, and mm-hmm. that's what I do today. So back to your question is, yes, uh, it was a great relief, but you got to remember I was relocated from the prison I was in, was in Sandstone, Minnesota, and shipped to Texas, which is a big culture change shock. <laughs> I'm coming from a, a guy from the city into uh, New York, into into a place called Texas, I didn't know how I was going to fit in. So it was a relief, you know, because I was coming out of prison, and, and that was a great relief. But it was very hard uh, for me surviving. Well, I shouldn't say surviving, but living in Texas because I, I didn't know where I fit, fit in, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, Robert, uh, you're busy right now doing ministry work all over the place. Uh, I know that you've been at the NRB. I don't know if you're coming to Orlando next month. Will you be in Orlando then for that? We might, we're working on it now. The cost uh, is a little bit uh, more higher. You know, of course, it's, you know, the one in Texas uh, I could drive to. So we're working on that right now. Uh, we're going to see if we're going to be able to, to do that. I'm hoping that I will be able to come there, but I won't know for another week or two about that. Uh, we have to raise funds for that. Tell us about your ministry and what do you do now? How, uh, how does that going? Tell us about that. Well, uh, the ministry's going pretty good. I just feel God has given me something more to do. You know, I was going around sharing my testimony in some churches and maybe in a camp, and but I think God wants to expand it. I feel God is calling me. And I was reading John, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 20, verse 21, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. And I felt like he was talking to me to reach the, the world. So uh, we want to get out there and have more opportunities. So we just recently did a uh, documentary. It's about a 15-minute documentary. It's still being edited right now. So we have little clips of it here and there. Uh, and I just feel God wants me to tell his story to the world that uh, – Life without Christ is terrible. You know, I look at my, my testimony and I see a, a, a B.C. and an A.C. before Christ in my life and after Christ in my life. And, and I want to give people that kind of picture to see what life is without Christ in your life and, and how I lived it and to see how my life is so much more rewarding uh, and beneficial and productive and purposeful uh, after I accepted Christ in my life. So that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, I wrote the book called The Witness uh, that's still out there. 
We uh, re, uh, did it a little bit recently, in the last maybe six months. Uh, sharpened it up a little bit more, put a new cover on it so people can get that. They can go to robertborelli.com and they could go to get get it there. But, you know, in the beginning, I did nursing home ministry for 13 years, and then everybody was telling me, well, you have such a powerful testimony, you need to start sharing that. So I started going out, sharing my testimony wherever God opens up doors in recovery because I know what it is to be addicted, and uh, I know how Christ can redeem and deliver us from from our addiction, so I go out and shed in, in, you know, places of recovery. Matter of fact, uh, in May 19th, I will be going to Ohio to speak at a, a fundraiser for recovering addicts. So, mm. and, and that kind of thing, I would think, would be something that you would just be an excellent choice for so people can reach out to you. Give us your web address for that. It's robertborelli.com. Dot com. That's the website, robertborelli.com, where you can look up Robert Borelli Ministries. And we have a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of interviews that I've done, probably over 30 interviews that's on um, YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can look up Robert Borelli, put my name, and there's a whole bunch of interviews there. But the website, we're going to be redoing the website, putting a little bit more stuff out there. But that's how people connect with me through that website. And if anybody wants to... Uh, buy a book for any donation through that through my website they could make a donation and I will deliver I will send them mail the book personally to them and I will sign it for them if that's what they want and all I need to do is have the name that they want me to address it to and the address where they want me to send it for any donation any donation and that is spelled b o r e l l i robert borelli Robert, I have uh, one more question. I, I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh, news sure. has been out this past week about just all of the drug stuff that's going on around the country, especially in Philadelphia, with the uh, introduction of a new drug into the mix. Uh, you mentioned that at one point you were at least, uh, also addicted to cocaine and even crack cocaine. Uh, what is happening right now is this uh, new drug, that is uh, a veterinary drug that's being given along with fentanyl, and it, it's just making a mess out of Philadelphia right now. How does that hit you? What 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 are your thoughts when you look and see what's happening right now in the middle of that drug war that's going on in Philly? Well, I have to tell you, to be honest with you, I can I cry over. I feel that you know there's a lot of missionaries out out there that go to different countries, and I believe God's calling me to be an, a missionary to the United States. My heart breaks for the United States right now for all these people that are getting to come to all these drugs and these new drugs that are coming in, and how it's just destroying our life of our young people and and even some of our older people. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I want to go out and speak and let them know that they don't have to stay. It's never too late for a new beginning. You don't have to stay stuck in any addiction, any circumstances, man. Give your life to Christ. He will transform your life into a life that you never dreamed was even possible. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go away and life is going to be peaches and cream. But he gives us this hope that we have that no matter what comes our way, we deal with it in such a more purposeful way that we can glorify Christ in our life and through our life. 
I love the way you've used this phrase, God made you an offer that you couldn't refuse. That is exactly what he did, and I'm grateful that he did. A life immersed in the whole crime scene, the mafia, uh, in there for murder, uh, and God nevertheless reaches into that prison cell and transforms a heart. Your story, my friend, is inspiring, and I just pray God's blessing upon you. Hope it works out that I get to see you in uh, May. Uh, if not, we'll we'll catch up another time. But give us your website one more time, if you will. It's Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, B-O-R-E-L-L-I.com, robertborelli.com. And the book is called The Witness. Robert, thank you for being with me today. Well, thank you, Mike, for allowing me on your show. Be blessed, and I'll be praying for you and your ministry. Thank you so much, and we'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again now for segment three, and we had a lunch today in Orlando that was at the Christian Chamber. And uh, boy, some big news came at the very end of that meeting. I have to say I was not ready for it. I did not know that this was going to be announced, and it is exciting and big for those that are aware of Orlando's uh, Christian Chamber. It's a, it's a big thing for those of us that know it, and so many contacts are made and a lot of fellowship there. One of the presidents of the Christian Chamber history is regularly on my program, and that's Mark Goldstein. I've got him on the line right now. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mike. Well, today's lunch, and I, you, I found out you knew about this prior to the meeting, so I, I should know that, Mark. You know everything that's going on in, in the Hall of Central Florida, so that shouldn't surprise me, right? Well, actually, I, I haven't known it long. I learned it this morning because <laughs> Crystal, Crystal called me to tell me that uh, she was going to make that announcement, but she wanted me to know before she told everybody else. So I appreciated that. But uh, actually, I've seen it coming pretty much since uh, she stepped in as president uh, of the chamber back in 2020. Yeah. Three years this coming June that she has been the president. Now talk about a rough year to, to come in and become the president. 2020 was not an easy year for anything, right? It, it really wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of wonderful things that happened that kept the chamber uh, viable, vibrant. But yeah, there were de- she did step in during uh, during challenging times. But the interesting thing about Crystal is that she is so qualified. Yeah, uh, almost overqualified. She is, is unbelievable. When years ago, back when the chamber was first founded. Uh, it was founded as the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, doing business as Central Florida Christian Chamber. That was so an eye to the future, wasn't it? It, it? it was. Well, we kept it going, and we kept renewing it, not 
because we were using it right then, but in case it was used in the future. Yeah. And obviously, Crystal, with her corporate background, her global background, uh, she saw that and, and really saw how to, to really leverage that, which she has. So the big announcement, friends, I know you've been waiting, and we haven't said yet what it was that she announced. The big announcement is is that June 1st will be uh, a turnover as president of the Central Florida Christian Chamber, and she will continue to go on and lead the U.S. Christian Chamber. But the new president, it's actually co-presidents, are mm-hmm. LaTondra, and, who has been the assistant to Crystal all this time, and uh, Briston uh, Heaven. That's his name, last name. That's their last name. Heaven. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a heavenly name. They've got it going, man. So we've got a little bit of heaven in the presidency now of the Christian chamber. It's Briston and Latandra will be leading the chamber as of June 1. And uh, boy, uh, that, that was, like I said, it was a, a big shock. And yet the big crowd that was there, uh, they were so excited about it all. They, obviously, big days are ahead. What I thought was very nice is uh, uh, the our speaker today, uh, his talk spoke right into the the wheelhouse right. of what was going on, and it just made a whole lot of sense. and And I think now the chamber is not only going to grow even more in Central Florida, but you're going to see more and more Christian chambers popping up around the country. You know, I've been wanting to say this and ask this of you, uh, and this is the perfect time to do it. Mark, why don't, for those that are listening and they, they're they not part of the Christian Chamber, they've never even heard of what Christian Chamber, I think almost everybody has heard of Chambers of Commerce. And explain, if you will, for those that haven't been to one of these meetings that have not had the vision of uh, the kind of fellowship that happens what what would you tell somebody when they say, what happens at the Christian chamber meetings? What happens? You know, in its simplest form, Mike, Christianity is about relationships. It's about community. It's about, it's about not going it alone. Uh, it's about, as Solomon talks about, the strand of three mm-hmm. is not easily broken. So the Christian chamber brings together uh, business people uh, from, from all walks of life, ministries from all ministries out there, and brings them together to build relationships, to not just build business, but to build community, build the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, we all, as Christians, we all have vocations. We we, we have a skill, we have a talent, we do it, we make money, we pay mortgage, we make car payments, stuff like that. But the fact is, that's not the real reason why God has us here. It's to be salt and light and to be witness, witnesses. And in business, it's hard. It is really hard to do that. So to be surrounded in an ocean of other godly business people you have magnificent collaboration that happens. You have what I call coopetition, because people <laughs> in the same industries, let's see, a, somebody who sells in life insurance, uh, the only person who really understands what they go through 
is somebody else who share, sells life insurance. And what we encourage in the chamber is to meet with people who do the same thing as you and minister to each other, uplift each other. Right. It's funny, today I saw a, a guy, uh, a, a fellow from uh, uh, New York Life, talking with somebody from Merrill Lynch, and they were praying together. I mean, my goodness, Mike, does it get any better than that? Yeah, I, I agree. And that lack of competition, a sense of brotherly and sisterly love, one for another, that goes a long way in a culture like this, doesn't it? It, it really does. And the, the other thing is that, you know, we always say God provides. And he provides in very interesting ways. And oftentimes at the chamber, I've seen somebody come to the chamber with a need, and somebody comes to the chamber with the resource, and guess what? Mm -hmm. That resource met the need, and the people met there. So a lot of kingdom stuff, a lot of a godly relationship happens at a Christian chamber. And oh, by the way, if you're a business person— it's good for your business. Yeah, it's great for the business. And I think just the encouragement factor alone is well worth that. Uh, what I love about it, this thing, you know, COVID did a number on just about every kind of public meeting that you can imagine. Uh, and now we're this far past COVID. Here it is, 2023. This thing has grown and grown, and they just keep expanding with more tables. That was such a big turnout today. It was so encouraging to see people excited. Uh, and even, here's the, the real thing, they're even excited about change. And sometimes, Mark, I've, that's my experience, is that a, a change of this magnitude, a change of presidents, when you've had leadership you, that you gave, and I know people, they were wondering, gosh, what's the chamber going to be like with Crystal? And, and look what happened with her. She just took it and ran yeah. with it. And, you know, the people today were obviously excited even about what is going to be a big change in a meeting they love. Change is always worrisome. If it, the, the planning, if, uh, if the logistics are not quite right or whatever, but when you have change and a godly vision, uh, I, I think that there's some uh, peace, some security, some confidence in that. Well, I think that Crystal, for her part, did a wonderful job of passing the baton in how she made the announcement, the lead up to it. I, I was telling her afterwards, you know, I didn't see that one coming, but boy, you did a great job of setting that up and the way that uh, the Lord, as we look back, now that we all know this, those that are part of that chamber, uh, we can look back and see how the Lord has been leading up until now. And no surprise here. He is leading us with wisdom and, and grace. And the people stepping up are really just wonderful people. And, and you get the sense that this thing is just going to go forward. It is. But, you know, Mike, I've got to say my favorite part of the lunch today is when you and I stood near the door and gave away free Rick Warren books. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Those things went in a snap and, and uh, it's exciting uh, to get to be out. And there's there's just something about getting out with where God's people are. And that's what we want to yeah. do. And uh, your program is obviously hosting this 
a special going out into the community, the shepherd at work, heard every Saturday at 4.05. Mark, you've got always got somebody fun on. I think Andy Searles is going to be with you this week, right? Yes. Uh, I love Andy to pieces. We, we love limping together. And if people are wondering what that's about, listen to the show this Saturday. <laughs> that's right. I remember. <laughs> I remember that when we recorded it, you were actually literally limping, and uh, that that is uh, that's something that happens uh, to us when uh, we've fallen and we can't get back up very easily. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. Well, Mark, well, I know that's going to be a great program, Andy Searles. He is the senior pastor at Church Together in Castleberry, a dear friend to this program and yours as well, and uh, a great lover of community and really uh, the kind of community that the chamber is all about. It's all about building the kingdom of God. And while Andy is a very, very gifted pastor and speaker, um, he is a contemplate con- a consummate marketplace minister. Yes, he is. And and he really encourages his parishioners uh, to embrace the fact that church isn't defined by what's inside the four walls, but by what happens uh, the rest of the week outside the church. And that's really one of the, I think that's a great point upon which we're, as we're coming down to the end of today's program, that we can say that God wants us involved in our community. We are to be salt and light. I love that expression. We have the light. The light is not us. The light is Jesus shining through us. And we're to be the salt. We're to kind of take the flavor, the savor of God, and take it out there and and live it out in the community. Let others see the goodness of God and the real kingdom of God as lived out by his people. That's what our call is to be. And Mark, that's what you do all the time. I love it, man. Well, and, and the key is you want you want to smell like fresh baked apple pie yeah. and not gar and not garlic. There you go. That's right. We got to get our uh, sweet aroma from the Lord, and He'll give that That's to it. us. Well, Mark, thank That's you it. for stopping in and sharing this news. One of the things that very soon now on our program, we'll bring in all three presidents to what will soon be past presidents. And the current president of the chamber, we'll have to get you all in one room. And, man, that's going to be a fun program. I think it'll be a presidential event. (laughs) There you go. Well, you take care of yourself, my friend. And and friends uh, listening, thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. 